This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Ambulatory Surgery Center's podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Joanne Vecchio, Administrator of Ambulatory Surgery Center of Western New York in Amherst. Joanne, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you very much. Now, I know we're going to talk a lot about the healthcare industry and some of the ways that your center is going to be growing in the future, but before we dive into those questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. Um, uh, My name is Joanne Vecchio. I've been the administrator at the Ambulatory Surgery Center of Western New York since uh, 2012. Um, During my term of uh, in the administrator role, I have been fortunate enough to be involved with two ambulatory surgery center expansions and a uh, an administrative transfer of my CON to a new location. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be involved in the build-out process uh, from the beginning stages all the way to the end, from planning to to completion and operations. Uh, my background, I started out in uh, reimbursement and clinical compliance uh, back in, oh my goodness, too far back to even recall, um, began working at the surgery center in 2001, and um, I am still here. So that's just a little bit about myself, and um, I have really enjoyed being able to uh, move forward in the position that I'm in, expanding just the administration and administrative role into construction and some additional consulting for other surgery centers in the area. Got it. Wow, that's, that's really exciting and impressive. So in being able to kind of connect with other area surgery centers, um, what has that been like in terms of providing consultation and advice to them, especially as they're looking to grow at the same time you are? Well, you know, um, Western New York is a, a tight-knit community. However, we do have quite a few um, ambulatory surgery centers in the area. Uh, we as an uh, organizational group in Western New York have been um, – I guess you could say uh, complementary to each other, collegial to each other, uh, especially during uh, the most recent year with COVID, we uh, joined forces to make sure that we were all on the same page, that we didn't have one surgery center that was an outlier to the rest. All of us being together within the state, you know, we were restrictive to the New York State COVID uh, requirements. So it was nice to, to bounce some ideas and be able to talk to the others about how they were moving forward, how are they maneuvering through through the pandemic, as well as how they were coming out of it, and how do they they rebuild, rebrand, uh, you know, recapture some of the volume that was lost in in some of the process processes and some of the operations to get there. Uh, it was an invaluable experience to be able to to work with all the local administrators here, and I. I think that it was a uh, a true testament to the leadership that we have in the Western New York ambulatory ambulatory organizations, and it was great for us to work together. and And we we made some we made some ties, and uh, we still continue to, to speak to each other on a regular basis. So that was very very beneficial. That's fantastic. And obviously, with the past year in COVID-19, things changed all over the U.S., but I know in particular in New York, there was just a very hard hit there. So, you know, when you're looking at back past the the past 12 months or so, you know, what do you really feel like um, you've been able to do in order to emerge and hopefully into, you know, a, a different type of organization, but a stronger one as well? Oh, we were able to, you know, some of the things that we thought we would never see or never do during the time of the quarantine, you know, we were restrictive in the state of New York of what we could do um, and what was considered truly an elective case. So we had to follow 
we adhere to, to the strict guidelines of the, the New York State Department of Health, to which, you know, our, all of us across the state, our volume decreased, you know, almost to nothing. Um, you know, many of us furloughed almost 95% of our staff. Some of us closed. Um, my surgery center was very fortunate to, to be able to stay open for some of those uh, tier three emergency cases. Um, but coming out of the, of the other side of this, we realized that we were able to, to do more with less, I guess you could say. Not saying that, you know, the, the human factor wasn't important, but we were able to, to find out that we were able to do things in a non-traditional fashion. And I'll give you a couple of examples. We were able to come up with an electronic communication process for our patients preoperatively, postoperatively, um, for billing, for payment for, for payment transfers, things that we really didn't consider uh, prior to prior to the pandemic, uh, we did everything in person, phone calls and uh, phone calls and paper records, uh, things that that we, we just have always done. We realized that there was a more efficient and easier way, and we have adapted some of those um, out of necessity, but they've come par- become part of our regular process here. Uh, we use a lot of text messaging now, a lot of uh, online records. We are using a lot of internet platform information transfer and uh, obtaining, you know, online payments and over-the-phone payments was a huge difference for us. So we were able to to keep those those practices in place uh, even after we were given the go-ahead to, to proceed with electives. Oh, that's really great to hear. And thank you so much for kind of describing the way things went in this past year and where you're at today. Now, what are the top three trends that you're following right now in healthcare? Um, so a lot of the things that we're following in healthcare, we started prior to the, the pandemic. So, you know, we are always looking to um, to stay up to date and stay stay state of the art and you know, follow the healthcare trends. Uh, not all of them are the greatest, but a lot of them are are worth looking into. Um, one of the biggest things that we started prior to the pandemic was fast tracking um, fast tracking uh, post op uh, for some of those MAC procedures and some of the, the orthopedic procedures that might not require traditional phase one, phase two post-operative stays, uh, we've been able to streamline our patient selection uh, and fast-track them to discharge. Uh, that one that one we work really well with here, and our anesthesia group has worked really well with us to uh, to achieve that and to have success in, in, in that. Um, you know, we've also moved forward with a lot of bundled payments, which has uh, been great for us with the payers. So we were able to streamline a lot of the, the higher-cost procedures that were uh, previously we would have thought that were were cases that we wouldn't be able to do because of, of reimbursement constraints, but we've figured out a way to get those a lot of those taken care of um, on our end. And then again, just like I had said earlier, is the electronic communication with the patients. Um, you know, some of the telehealth post-ops, some of the, the surveys that we are uh, continually doing, you know, via via internet or via text or some type of an easier communication pathway um, that helps us out immensely. Got it. Got it. Well, that's, you know, it's so interesting to hear and think about some of the different um, aspects of the surgery center and and market forces that are driving you going forward. Uh, Real quick, for the bundled payments, um, what was it like working on those um, and how, you know, responsive have payers been to that? 
idea. So, you know, the bundle, the bundle payments is always one of those, those chores that really no surgery center really wants to tackle. But when you take a step back and, and especially in a multi-surgery, a multi-specialty surgery center where you have uh, more than one physician practice, uh, it, it can be a challenge. So if the, the Luckily for me, my physician partners here and my anesthesia group were, were very aggressive in the way that they were able to discuss things. You know, we put together a committee of physicians from each different practice that were in the same specialty to come up with a, a process that was acceptable. And, you know, what was the what was the value of the procedure versus what their, their overhead costs were, um, you know, and whether we were going to move out were we going to bundle only the, the technical component? Were we going to bundle the professional component? Um, and we, we came up with a hybrid, uh, a hybrid bundled payment source that did include 100% of the technical component, but for some procedures didn't conclu- include some of the professional component. So we worked together with the payers. Uh, it was a pretty arduous process, but we were able to get there. And, um, you know, as we move forward, we're hoping to add more and more. Um, it just, it helped, it, it helped us add service lines to the surgery center currently um, that we were, we were unable to, to access previously because they were either um, restrictive or they were too cost intensive or device intensive. And we were able to negotiate some of those things with the payers. So that worked out really well. Uh, and I'm very fortunate to have a really good group of, of owners and um, physician partner representatives in this committee that helped me out. Absolutely. That, that's fascinating to kind of get a behind the scenes look at that process and great to hear that yeah. you had a good support system. So thank you. Yes, yes. Now, looking ahead, um, what do you feel like is your best opportunity for growth over the next year or two? Uh, So over the next year or two, I think we're hoping to add uh, a few new specialties to our surgery center uh, lineup here. Uh, What we've seen seen over the past year is that uh, the hospital, your hospital outpatient departments, hospital block time is is changing. And um, some of the the procedures that we, we didn't consider maybe, I don't know if the, if the term would be ambulatory effective or ambulatory appropriate. Um, all of them seem to be safe to do in an ambulatory center. It's just that the, the procedures that we we didn't look at before, we're looking at in a new light. Um, we're hoping potentially at this specific surgery center uh, to add maybe some gener- general GYN procedures as well as some general surgery um, and and potentially move more of the total joints to a a, a true outpatient model. Um, and it, it seems to be over the next you know couple of years, I think we'll be able to expand our multi-specialty status to include more specialties as they they start to become a little bit more challenged uh, getting getting block time at the hospital. Um, so we're looking into that and what the investment is on the capital investment is on the surgery center side and, you know, working through some of these, these, these procedures and these specialties, I think that, that we're going to have some success there. 
Got it. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, great to hear that there will be those types of opportunities coming forward. Um, when you look at, you know, the dynamic between um, your center and other surgery centers, as well as some of the hospitals, like you mentioned, you know, some of the specialties that are able to be performed outpatient, um, kind of transitioning to that space as it makes the most sense. You know, what kind of, um, I guess, I don't want to, I don't know if relationship's the right word, but how do you relate to the hospitals and kind of understanding, you know, what the trends are uh, and what their needs are as, um, you know, time goes on? Um, well, you know, ambulatory surgery centers still always will need a hospital, just as every surgeon, uh, the majority of surgeons still need access to a hospital. So, um, I think that there's a there's a way for us to to work in a uh, you know in a collegial and in a, in a you know in a in a I don't know complementary way I think to the hospital outpatient department um, because there are still patients that actually it's an absolute necessity that they be done in in a hospital outpatient department but the ones that can come out into the ambulatory center are the ones that we're trying to focus on and if we're fortunate enough to be able to. Uh, speak to some of these physicians that might be struggling at the hospital or might be, um, you know, challenged by, you know, what's available uh, at the hospital. We might be able to, you know, kind of fit their needs a little bit better uh, here. Um, what COVID has, has done to our surgery center is realize that there's, there's room. There's room for additional physicians, additional specialties, and additional uh, additional providers here at this specific center. Um, things have tightened up, I, I guess you could say, uh, over the last couple of years here, and we are able to, to streamline our process a little bit more and condense block time here uh, at this specific facility. So, you know, we have the ability to add services and to add providers here and uh, we, we're, we're fortunate enough I don't know if you call it fortunate or unfortunate to have some open time here so we're not running at full capacity just yet we're pretty close but we do have room to grow got it got it that's really helpful to know now uh, my last question for you is, is just thinking about where you're at today and where things are headed what are you most excited about and what makes you nervous well some of the things that we're excited about is the the access to additional specialties, as I mentioned earlier in our conversation, um, you know, there are new specialties out there that we didn't think that we would have access to in an ambulatory center, um, such as some cardiology procedures and some other uh, procedures that really haven't been open to an ambulatory center in the past, and some diagnostic, uh, some diagnostic studies and things that, that can now be done ambulatory that present themselves with an opportunity um, for reimbursement from the payers. Uh, the payers have become a little bit more forward-thinking. Uh, they're, they're a little bit more willing to work with us um, in regards to, you know, what they're, they're willing to pay for their, their, their members. Um, again, this area of Western, of this, this area that, I, that we're in in Western New York, uh, we're fortunate to have really good uh, communications and relationships with our, our payer representatives. So that makes me excited to be able to offer additional services and to be able to potentially expand the offerings into the community and to the, to the demographic area that we're in here. Um, what makes me a little bit nervous moving forward is, you know, some of the um, the physicians that, that the surgeons that are out there and available, uh, you know, there's competition, just like there is everywhere. Uh, the surgery centers that are in my location here in my area are outstanding. 
they're extremely efficient just as we are. Um, makes you a little bit nervous always, you know, is someone else going to, you know, outperform you or, uh, you know, offer something that you can't offer, um, which might, you know, distract potential um, new recruited physicians to your center. Uh, the other thing that could be a challenge that makes me a little bit nervous is when you hear about larger systems or, you know, larger practices uh, purchasing other smaller practices, uh, which could ha could have an effect. Um, it hasn't yet, but it could potentially in the future have an effect on where those patients are directed and where those surgeons are directed to perform their cases. Um, that's always that's always looming, I guess, and over everyone's head. Um, however, you know, we've been very fortunate, again, with the physicians being able to stay on their ground and, you know, provide the most effective and safe and efficient options for their patients surgically. Uh, some of the other things that, you know, make you a little bit nervous is, you know, what's going on at the national level. Um, you know, is there something that's currently done in an ambulatory center that potentially um, you know, Medicare may deem no longer effective in an ambulatory center, and will they transfer some of those procedures more towards office-based surgery versus actual um, ambulatory facility efficient? It's more efficient at a surgery center, but, you know, are they going to redirect some of those procedures back into the office? That's always something that makes us nervous, and we, we, we scour those we scour those lists every time that they're released just to make sure something didn't fall off. And we, we scour those for what gets added and what comes off um, annually. And, uh, you know, I'm fortunate to work with a really good team here that kind of looks through all of that. But those are some of the things that would make me, that make me, that do make me nervous. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Joanne, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fantastic discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Great. Thank you very much.